Hi, I'm Carmen LaBerge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Getting ready to represent Christ to your world today. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. Well, good morning on this July the 1st. All right, let us be uh, praying the headlines this morning. Let's pray the news in relationship to new demonstrations in the city of Hong Kong as the first arrests are made under China's new, I'll describe it as a communizing effort in what has been for many, many years a semi-autonomous city with which many of us are familiar. So let's be praying today for uh, demonstrators and demonstrations in Hong Kong. You know, in in this week of July the 4th, in this week uh, when we acknowledge and recognize that freedom has a cost and that revolution is often the pathway through which people gain real freedom. Um, We ought not deny that there are Many people, many, many people around the world living under regimes that they may at one point in time rise up to throw off. And so uh, as we sing and celebrate and raise the wave the flag, um, you know, as we... (laughs) As we enjoy fireworks, I mean, you know, let's just acknowledge what those are representative of, Uh, you know, bombs bursting in air. And bombs bursting in air um, may sound like a wonderful patriotic theme, but in reality, um, you know, it's the knoll of death. And so let's be mindful of that. Let's be sober about what we're doing. Um, Pastors are actually pretty worried about patriotism, although uh, according to a new Facts and Trends survey, uh, done by LifeWay Research, you know, we're, we're still like supportive of, of having 4th of July um, acknowledgments in the context of our services of worship. There's a growing angst among Protestant pastors um, who, who are having a hard time sort of integrating uh, patriotism appropriately into worship services, um, you know, not only in relationship to, let's say, the 4th of July, but um, but other uh, sort of patriotic uh, events throughout the course of the year. So curious to know how your church handles that, how your pastor handles that. Um, a couple of headlines here that I don't want us to miss. Uh, Anthony Fauci uh, said yesterday during a Senate committee hearing that the United States is currently seeing about 40,000 new cases of the coronavirus every single day. Um, and that we could see as many as 100,000 new COVID cases per day. Once you think about that number, that means a million in a 10-day span of time. Um, what would 100,000 cases a day look like? Well, obviously, uh, it's possible that 
our health system could be overwhelmed by those kinds of numbers, although it's also possible that uh, many, the overwhelming majority of those would be asymptomatic. And so there are lots of conversations here to be had about the coronavirus. Antibody testing uh, is widely now available as well. And so testing is not just about active cases, but about people who have actually already had the coronavirus and didn't even know it because they were asymptomatic um, you know, during the period of time that they were actually experiencing it. The other headline related to this that uh, I find very, very disturbing is the number of clinicians that are having end-of-life conversations with, uh, with COVID and other patients uh, absent members of their family. So there's no, um, there's no person present having end-of-life conversations other than medical personnel who um, have some incentive to free up those beds. So uh, let's just be mindful of that. Let's be talking about that. Let's recognize that, um, at least for me, I'll speak for myself here, I am pro-life from conception to natural death. And so when we start talking about abortion, we talk about abortion access. We've been doing that in relationship to the Supreme Court ruling earlier this week. We also talk about end-of-life concerns and issues and uh, and just be mindful of who you are as a as a pro-life Christian and what that means in all of the conversations of the day. All right, next up, I've got Jimmy Page. He works with the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. He's also an author of a number of books. We're talking with him today about Wisdom Walks, 52 Life Principles for a Significant and Meaningful Journey. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. All right, Jimmy Page is a speaker, he's a writer, a trainer, and a leadership coach. He is the co-author of several books. If you've never read One Word and Life Word, uh, let me encourage you to check those out. Jimmy currently serves as the Divisional Vice President of the Fellowship of Christian Athletes, and he's here today to talk with us about a new book that he uh, that he has co-authored with his friend and colleague, Dan Britton. The book is Wisdom Walks, two leaders of, uh, well, that's not the Two Leaders isn't the title of the book. Uh, Wisdom Walks, and we're talking today um, about Wisdom Walks and what it looks like to walk wisdom out into the world. Jimmy Page, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Hey, good morning. Glad to be with you. Good morning. Sometimes I catch myself reading a promotional line instead of reading a subtitle <laughs> to a book. So there you go. I almost I almost walked right into that. Hey, talk with us. Um, talk with us about wisdom. Talk with us about what it looks like to walk wisdom out. One of the things I really appreciate is that this is really seeking to have a generational impact. You're really challenging uh, those of us who might be, hopefully are, slightly more mature in our faith to walk wisdom out in a way that would inspire others uh, to do so as well. Yeah, that's right. I mean, I think the the nexus for this book, the purpose of it, is to encourage people to live intentionally, maximize their relationships, and really pass on the torch of faith. You know, it's, it's not enough for, for me to have a relationship with God and apply wisdom to my life, but really there's a, this intentionality to make a difference for others, to be a positive difference in the world. And, and you know, when you look around us right now, I can't think of a better time or a bigger opportunity in our history than right now to make a positive difference for those around us. 
So I want to focus on a couple of words there. Um, first of all, I think the word intentional is is paramount. Um, I also want to walk around um, with with the image of the torch because um, I am observing a lot of people right now who are uh, lifting torches in more of the spirit of maybe those who came with torches to the garden, uh, you know, seeking to arrest Jesus, sort of the, the, the mob torch mentality. That's not the raise the torch here that you're uh, or pass the torch imagery that you're working with. I mean, you're really talking about people who light the way, people who take the light into the darkness. So I want to talk about the word intentional, and then I want to talk about what it looks like to pass the torch in a really positive way in terms of people of faith. That's right. You know, 30 years ago, Carmen, Dan Britton and I, my co-author, and I began a journey of friendship. You know, we had both graduated from college at the time, and we, we started an accountability relationship. So we were intentional, even in those early days of relationship, in our early 20s, to say we really wanted to live a life that was meaningful. You know, we wanted to be the best husband and the best father that we could be, and we really wanted to make a positive impact on our communities. We knew that that was only going to be possible if we did life together, if we, you know, set our sights on a bigger vision for our lives, and then we helped fan that flame uh, of, of faith so that we could become everything we were made to be. We didn't want to squander any opportunities. We wanted to have the internal character necessary to live the kind of life that would make a difference. So that's that intentionality, right? It's getting into those key relationships of like-minded people around you who are moving in the same direction, who are growing in their faith, and applying the wisdom of the Bible to life. You know, it's not enough just to have good principles. We really wanted to um, apply those principles to life so that we could achieve the things that God wanted us to achieve and truly make that difference. So the intentionality starts with your own personal walk with Christ, and then it may, then it's required that you have these friends that are around you that are moving in the same direction. So I am talking with Jimmy Page. We're talking about uh, Wisdom Walks. It is a book that he has co-authored with his friend and colleague Dan Britton. Um, Jimmy, in the in the book, one of the things that you guys talk about um, are these four O's of life. I want to talk about the four O's of life, and then I also want to talk about the four relationships that you believe are really important. Yeah, I think, you know, the four O's are important because, you know, I, we, we believe that God plants a vision in each one of us. You know, he gives us purpose in our lives, that this isn't a haphazard journey, that, that we're made with purpose, and that when opportunities come, we can know that, um, that we're going to immediately experience obstacles, right? We're going to have some of that opposition and obstacles. And what we teach in Wisdom Walks is that to expect those obstacles. You know, when you're pursuing something of, of importance, of value, something to make a positive contribution, you're going to have those, that opposition. You're going to have those obstacles. But if you can walk in obedience, if you can continue to take steps towards that preferred future, um, then God will take care of the outcome. Don't get discouraged when you have those obstacles in your way. And you know what? A lot of people today are discouraged. A lot of people today have anxiety. They have fears. They have worries. And what we're doing is we're asking people to press into the vision that God gives you, to take obedient steps of faith, and then to surrender the outcome to God, knowing that he's going to do the work in you and through you to make that difference. All right, when we come back, I'm going to ask Jimmy Page, um, co-author of Wisdom Walks, 52 Life Principles for a Significant and Meaningful Journey. 
Um, Jimmy, I'm going to I'm going to ask you um, to talk with the men and women right now who loved being on a team, you know, back in the day. And right now they feel very much alone um, as they're trying to wisdom walk right now as, you know, 50 something year old people in the sandwich generation you know, and life is more of a grind um, than it is uh, a field of play. So I'm going to ask Jimmy Page that question from Fellowship of Christian Athletes when we return. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. We'll be right back. Continuing my conversation with Jimmy Page, we are talking about Wisdom Walks. You can find it at wisdomwalks.com. O-R-G. Uh, Wisdom Walks is, it's a book, but it's also, I would say, uh, a, a good companion for l- the life journey of a Christian. It's 52 Life Principles for a Significant and Meaningful Journey. Um, Jimmy, let's talk, t- speak right now to that, you know, 50-something-year-old person. They are in the sandwich, uh, you know, the sandwich portion of life. They're still dealing with some kids at home, certainly kids in college. They're dealing with um, aging and ailing parents. They're dealing with work life that has radically changed. Um, they're very much isolated and alone in so many ways. Um, and that life passion and purpose that you that you talked about um, seems like a pipe dream. And they loved being uh, a part of a team in sports when they were in high school and college. But right now they feel very much alone. Mm. Well, you know, that you've described me in some ways, you know, and there's many, many people in my uh, in my group that feel the same way. And that goes back to what you said earlier about the intentionality, right? It's you have to be intentional about building that dream team. You had mentioned it earlier about the four key relationships to life. And in the book, we talk about, number one, there are four relationships. The first one is the walker. It's where you are pursuing God actively. And I think when you feel isolated more than ever before, that's the time when you've got to double down, you've got to stay focused, you've got to keep those disciplines of uh, reading the Bible and praising and worshiping, and you've got to stay in community, right? And, and what Dan and I have been and other friends in our, in our group have become to each other is the warrior group. You know, that's the people that you link arms with. Uh, in Proverbs 27, we know that as iron sharpens iron, one man or one woman sharpens another, and we need each other. We need to link arms now more than ever before so that we can do life and encourage one another, especially when we feel isolated. And then I think the third relationship, it's, which is really important, uh, is called the watchman. It's the person that's a season or two ahead of us in life who has navigated well, you know, who has had their ups and downs, but who we can go to and ask for wisdom. And I've got I've got an um, older man in my life who serves in that role, who I call uh, every couple of weeks, and I run things by him, and I ask him questions, and I ask him for wisdom for the issues and the, and the challenges that I'm facing. And then I think it's super important today in that fourth relationship, the workman, is that we continue to pour out and invest our lives in the next generation. You know, that, that's that earlier comment of passing the torch of faith is really an investment of the wisdom that you've learned into the next generation. And when you establish this dream team, you know, when you're part of something again, you eliminate that isolation and you stay focused on your purpose again. I loved um, the seven steps to success 
part of this conversation. Engage God daily. Pray for wisdom. Stay hungry and humble. Be authentic and transparent. Value relationships. Be persistent and consistent. Trust God for life change. Um, I'm I'm wondering, Jimmy, when we when we sort of share with people, I'm trying to give them a sense of what's in the book. Um, part of what I really appreciated just overall is that this isn't about getting a bunch of people to, you know, follow me, follow me, follow me. This is really um, about the reputation of someone else. This is about the one who I am representing. This is about, um, you know, my life as a testimony um, and, and, and an example. So can you, um, can you help us see that? Because I think that sometimes even when we positively talk about, you know, my role on the team and um, when we positively talk about, um, you know, the, the way in which, you know, my life has a purpose and my light shines, sometimes, sometimes that can be the hang my jersey on the wall and look at my name. And that's really not what this is about. <laughs> yeah, that's true. You know, we can, we can seek the glory for ourselves or we can seek the benefit of others. And I think, you know, we, we're living in a time, and I heard your, your opening, you know, we're living in a time where everyone's afraid of the things that we can't see. We're afraid of what's contagious right now. And what God is asking each one of us to do is to live in such a way that we become contagious in a positive way, that we, we make the good news and that hope um, a, an attractive thing. You know, so our life is going to be contagious one way or another. We're going to be contagious in a positive way or we're going to be contagious in a negative way. We're going to either breed uh, hope and love or we're going to breed fear. So I think, you know, when I realize that my life is contagious, then I want to live in such a way that I make my life worth catching, you know, that, that people are attracted to this way of life so that they see that we're unshakable when the storms of life come. You know, that when, when everything around us, the circumstances we're facing, the challenges we're facing seem, seem insurmountable, that we've got this abiding internal peace, which then draws other people in so that we can give them the good news, we can give them the truth in God's scripture, so that they can enjoy that kind of life as well. All right. Hey, we have, um, we have like one minute left. Um, give a little shout out to FCA. I want to give a little shout out to my FCA friend, uh, Paul Cifaldi, down in Hilton Head, uh, with whom I had the opportunity to labor for five years, uh, what feels like a generation ago. Maybe you want to give a little shout out to people on the front lines of FCA right now in this very different environment. Well, yeah, I would love to. You know, I love the fact that we, we work with coaches and athletes, and our mission is to lead every coach and every athlete into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ and his church. And I just want to encourage the team to keep uh, walking in wisdom, keep sharing the light of Christ, and keep making a difference in your communities with your teams and with your coaches. All right. Um, and Jimmy, are we just going to send people today um, to the book website, which is wisdomwalks.org, or is there also somewhere else you'd like to invite them to visit you online? Yeah, absolutely. Go to wisdomwalks.org, and also you can pick up the book on amazon.com, and uh, we know you're going to be blessed by it for sure. Hey, thank you so much for joining us today. What a joy. What a um, what a positive opportunity to Invite one another to uh, to walk in wisdom. Wisdom Walks is the book. Jimmy Page and Dan Britton are the co-authors. Uh, thank you so much for joining us today on Mornings with Carmen. You bet. God bless you. You too. We'll be right back. All right. The world is uh, a bit bananas today. That's not any... Uh, 
nothing nothing mean to bananas there. We had a banana cream pie last night. I had a banana on my cereal for breakfast. So bananas are not bad. But the world has gone bananas in uh, <clears throat> in a less than humorous way. Ruth Kramer from Mission Network News helps us uh, to bring the global headlines into focus in terms of not only having the eyes of, of God on the things, like how is God seeing things around the world? Where are God's people? Um, and what, what is the mess that we're in? And then how can we graciously support one another globally in the midst of all of the challenges that we do face? And so Mission Network News is the reporting agency for all of that. And Ruth um, visits with us uh, on a regular basis to help us know what our brothers and sisters in Christ are experiencing around the world and how we can not only pray for them, but come alongside them in tangible ways as well. So Ruth Kramer up next. We'll be right back. I run across a lot of parents who want to have it all together. In fact, they want the world to know that they have it all together. You and I know, however, that no one's perfect. Hi, I'm Mark Gregston with Parenting Today's Teens. Perfection can seem attainable in the idyllic early childhood years when kids are still adorable. But as children grow, families must begin that slow transformation into a home that allows and encourages imperfection. It may come out in the way that we present ourselves to our kids, making sure that they know we make mistakes and ask for forgiveness when we do. Then try and foster an atmosphere of acceptance in your home for all the imperfections that come with being human. Do you have teenagers under your roof? Find more encouragement and helpful resources online at parentingtodaysteens.org. We regularly invite Ruth Kramer to join us to bring us uh, up to date on what is happening with our brothers and sisters around the globe. So Ruth Kramer from Mission Network News, welcome back. Thank you so much. And I really appreciate the invitation. Uh, It's a privilege to talk about what's happening around the world in the body of Christ. I just wish that, you know, we had like a couple of hours because you and I never get to everything. Um, It's a big it's a big world and there are so many concerns and issues. So let me just uh, be sure we direct everybody to Mission Network News. It's MNN. That's for Mission Network News. MNNonline.org. You can read not only the headlines that Ruth and I are talking about today, but many, many other things that we won't have time to get to. Talk with us about uh, what is happening in South Korea um, in terms of this Bible launch saga, um, which is continuing. Yeah. Well, you know, we when, I think it was last time we spoke, we we discussed a little bit about uh, some of the changes that are going on in, in between North and South Korea. The governments are trying to um, make good on an agreement that was formed maybe two years ago to ban cross-border distri- uh, distributions. And it, it's part of their effort to uh, really improve relations between North and South Korea, um, which means that uh, when they're they're really going to crack down on some of these laws that they kind of um, loosely enforced uh, to make North Korea happy, it will hit ministries like VOM Korea, which is Voice of the Martyrs Korea. Um, 
one of the things that they do as part of their ministry is they release these uh, balloons with scripture attached uh, to float it over the border and provide God's word to uh, North Koreans. And people are waiting for that. That's the thing. It's not like they're just randomly going in and um, falling on the ground and then just languishing on the ground as litter. There are people who are waiting for the distributions and uh, are there to collect them. Um, in fact, it happened so frequently that the North Korean government started putting out stories like, uh, don't go to touch these balloons because they're they're poisoned. Um, the, the pamphlets or the material on there uh, has been laced with poison, so you'll die if, if that happens. Uh, just And all the way down to, like, if we catch you with this stuff, we're going to execute you on the spot because it's contraband. So, you know, it, it's not taken well by North Korea. It's a thing that they've been trying to stop for a long time. Um, South Korea has allowed this to occur up until recently when, uh, I, you know, I think we talked about this the last time we were uh, together, when they they shifted some of the um, the ways that they started looking at things. So in the recent shifts, launching Bibles has now become um, illegal. And that was an overnight kind of a thing. In fact, uh, now that that has gone into effect, the government is now pretending they haven't had a cooperative mutual relationship with Voice of the Martyrs Canada for the last 15 years. Um, they're now terming things like the balloon launches as dangerous and that the, they're calling the balloon launchers criminals. And they're actually kind of embarking upon a smear campaign on VOM Korea just to kind of give themselves a little bit more credibility. In the process of all of this, uh, the government has um, been saying things like uh, VOM Korea is guilty of fraud, of mismanagement of donations, there is security risk, and there's uh, possible air traffic violations. So these are, these are some more serious charges, and they've threatened to arrest anyone they find who is, uh, is behind um, the balloon launches. Now, given what you know about uh, the difficulties in North Korea, there are maybe four groups that do launching. Three of them do political launching, and VM Korea is the only one that does Bible launching, and that's all they've ever done. So they've been lumped in with some other organizations, uh, and their reputations have been equally uh, smeared by the government. VOM Korea felt like it was necessary to issue a response. So we've linked that response to their press conference. If you really want to read all of that information, they really just drill down into this is what we do. We, you know, this is what we do with the donations. Here's our accountability. Here's why we do what we do. And all of this came to a head uh, last week. So perfect conditions to launch four Bible balloons into North Korea. It happens maybe 10 to 12 times a year. And so Eric Foley said, you know, I'm the leader of this ministry and we made a promise to North Korea's underground church. I'm going to do this. I'm going to send them scripture and, you know, give them give them bread, um, bread, meaning spiritual bread. And mm -hmm. so he did. He didn't have any of the other staff members out there with him because he didn't want to risk them getting arrested. Um, and uh, he, he took a journalist with him because he was trying to counter some of the bad media press that they've they've gotten. Um, given everything that I've described to you, um, you also have to know that within the last, I don't know, 48 hours, police have raided two of the ministry workers' headquarters and homes. They've confiscated mm. information. Um, the VOM Korea office is under surveillance 24 hours a day. In fact, when I did this interview with Eric Foley, he said, I can look out the window 
and see the guy. <laughs> so the quote says, as I look out the window now, I can see the police who are stationed to watch this place 24-7. That's um, what hey, Ruth, let's just pause right now um, and pray for Eric and um, and others. Um, Father God, we come before you on behalf of our brother, Eric, and alongside him, others who are who are seeking on the very front lines, on the very edges of the advance of the gospel um, right now, who can literally look out their windows and see um, those who oppose you, those who oppose the spread of your word, the planting of the seed uh, of the word of God in the lives and hearts of others who who oppose the gospel. And so, Father, we ask that you would place a hedge of protection around them, that you would uh, send a fresh wind of the Spirit upon in uh, in them and bring others alongside them to strengthen and encourage them and let our prayers this day um, be a salve. May they may they know that they are not alone. Um, not only are you with them, but that we stand with them as well. In Jesus' name, amen. Let me tell you something. With the story that we just did, uh, Eric Foley sent us a message personally and said, thank you for the coverage. He said, it just gave my staff a holy jolt. So mm. words like this are really encouraging to them. Let's uh, let's pivot, Ruth, to um, Ethiopia. I have been following the locust story um, with really, I, I mean, fairly rapt attention. Um, the the locust, the next wave of locusts is is going to be much much larger than even the waves that they've already seen. Apparently, it has already reached Kenya. Um, talk with us about the locusts and um, and what is going on just across this such a huge swath of the earth. Well, you said Ethiopia because that's one of the countries that has been affected by all of this uh, situation. But Ethiopia has had sort of like this triple disaster. It, you know, this has been a year where you don't get one single disaster. You get them all. Mm. Um, you know, Ethiopia's faced drought first and then massive flooding. And because the ground is so hard, um, it can't absorb all of the water that was coming down and heavier than normal monsoon rains came down. And then when everything was lush and fertile, the locusts came. So now you've had these three things that have been plaguing the country for months. In the second half of June, the experts say that um, the eggs that were laid are going to hatch and you're going to see that migration beginning again. So you're looking at the possibility of um, a swarm that can devour the same amount of food in a single day as 35,000 people. In Ethiopia, mm. you know, you're not talking about a, a huge amount of uh, breadbasket kind of uh, resources anyway. So, you know, this whole area has been affected by uh, what is going to be a huge food shortage. So partners like World Mission, um, Compassion International, and um, uh, there's there's a couple of other partners that are dealing with this in Pakistan. Um, they're really trying to do what they can to mitigate the complete disaster situation, because on top of all of that, now you have the coronavirus and you have day laborers and uh, church leaders who aren't able to do very much right now because everything's in lockdown. So people are at, at severe risk of not only food insecurity, but of starvation. So ministries are coming together and kind of pivoting uh, instead of doing what they're normally doing. They're doing that plus adding uh, relief efforts to it because there has to be something to keep people alive. So they're doing what they can. And all of these ministries are saying, hey, we need we need helping hands. You know, this is not a, a thinly veiled request for funds. It is a flat out you know, body of Christ in, in North America is well resourced. Share the resources because we are acting as the hands and feet of Christ literally on the ground 
to not only provide a cup of cold water in Jesus' name, but also give them the spiritual bread of life. So this is where, Ruth, I have to tell you that my mind starts turning. I recently read um, a series of articles about the fact that there are something like 2.3 million pounds of in-shell peanuts um, sitting in cold storage across the United States of America because they're normally roasted and sold at baseball stadiums, which baseball is not happening. So I'm just wondering right now, like, um, that's like that's like five million bags of peanuts, um, and I'm just I I, my, I have myself wondering like why are we putting peanuts in cold storage in America to feed baseball uh, fans who won't be watching baseball and why aren't we instead somehow getting those you know healthy ground nuts which is what they'd be called in Africa um, to you know to to eat to, to places like Ethiopia so this is how my mind turns and I guess I hope there's somebody listening right now who uh, knows how to get on that. Right. Because it's crazy that we would be storing up for ourselves a baseball snack when people halfway around the world would be starving to death for lack of a peanut. Like, right. I, I got to just tell you, that's. Yeah, no, I'm a little I, was, I'm, a little, I'm a little exercised um, about what's going on in relationship to the coming famine in uh, in North Africa, just across uh, all of North Africa. Um, all right. Well, you and I have to take together. Yeah. Yeah. So you and I have to take a very quick break. When we come back, we're going to turn our attention to the Middle East um, and we're going to take a look at what's going on among the Palestinian Christians. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. I'm going to try to calm down. All right, I am continuing my conversation with Ruth Kramer from Mission Network News. You can find everything we're talking about today. And a lot of other uh, very interesting articles at mnnonline.org. Ruth, let's uh, let's pivot to uh, Israel and its border with um, with the Palestinian state and talk with us about Palestinian Christians. Well, first, let me let me put into conf, uh, context the partner that we're talking to here. It's Bethlehem Bible College. In the middle of a conflict zone sits this Christian college that's been raising up peacemakers and leaders for like four decades. So they're right in the middle of all of this stuff and the politics and everything. And what they're basically saying is we are members of the body of Christ. We have Palestinian believers and we have Israeli believers. And we're trying to um, encourage people to find their place in the story, in the Great Commission, and resource them to take the gospel to basically an unreached people group uh, in the face of rising religious extremism. So their job is extremely difficult. And given everything that's going on, uh, sometimes we need to talk to them and find out what it's like to live um, during some very difficult times. Uh, it's always going to be tricky because of the conflict that exists between Palestine and Israel. But in this case, um, they had something to say with regard to everything that was happening over the George Floyd protests. Um, there was an interesting point of, um, I guess, connection for Palestine, for the Palestinians, because they say they understand what is behind uh, the the upset and the protests uh, regarding uh, the George Floyd case, because they continue to suffer police brutality and racism. In fact, as we were doing the interview, um, the guy that we were talking to said in the, in the last couple of weeks, no, not, not like last couple of weeks, the last couple of days, Israeli forces shot and killed a Palestinian man at a checkpoint in the West Bank. And then there was uh, um, a man who was disabled who was gunned down by local Israeli police. And it it was just, I think, 
let me just start that over again. The person we spoke to is Munter Isak, and he says that what Palestinians feel is that their lives really don't matter to anyone. Um, because of where they're located, they don't matter to the, Isra uh, the Israelis, and because they don't really feel like they're supported or heard, they feel like they don't matter to anyone else in the in the in the world. And the body of Christ feels especially um, forgotten in this situation because they feel so isolated. Uh, so they say that they understand what it is to feel like their lives don't matter. And the message they have to counter that is that we have to look at each other in the kingdom of Christ. Who are we in Christ's eyes? Because the sacrifice of Jesus Christ meant that lives mattered. And when you've been bought with a price, it matters a lot. And so they pivoted some of that message to um, to try to encourage the Palestinian believers to think bigger um, than some of these things and use this social justice issue to say, hey, we're walking with you in the body, as the body of Christ. We understand what it is. We share the grief and the pain uh, of what happens when you feel like uh, you've been forgotten and isolated. But let us remember that the bigger story, let's remember who we are in our identity in Christ. All right. I'm talking with Ruth Kramer. We're talking about a, a range of headlines from around the world. Um, I, I don't want to miss the opportunity, Ruth, to talk about um, oh, sounding the alarm for um, girls in South Asia. Asia. This um, this child bride's story is is haunting, um, but we can't turn away just because we're so horrified by it. So talk with us um, about what's going on here. Well, um, according to the United Nations, 650 million girls and women alive today were married as children. Um, in, in the South Asian context, uh, a girl child is not necessarily something to be celebrated because she's seen as an extra mouth to feed um, and she's a drain on the family's resources. So that is why you often see little girls being sold off to older men as uh, as brides and usually going into some kind of um, service or something like that, uh, and often facing a lot of abuse within that that context. Um, the situation here, you know, I, I one of the questions that I asked when I did this interview was, what's the difference between this child marriage issue, human trafficking, and slavery? And um, the the guy that I spoke to who runs. Uh, a lot of the the programs that come out of Operation Mobilization that deal with this, he says, is really not a huge difference. Um, so when you consider that, the, the the whole issue that faces women in some of these developing nations uh, is is very bleak and very difficult. Operation Mobilization comes alongside local churches and NGOs to try to assist at-risk children, to hide, try to prevent child marriage, to walk through the body of Christ. Um, sometimes it's education, sometimes it's literacy training, skills training, and that kind of thing, so that they are able to contribute to a family economy, uh, so they can support themselves instead of being uh, sold into trafficking or sold off as child brides. Um, it's a very difficult kind of a, a context to shift because it's a paradigm shift within the culture. So Operation Mobilization says the gospel is a, a huge part of that because it will help people to see the creation of wom of woman in the same way as God sees it. So the gospel plays a huge role in this. It's a paradigm shift. Um, there's a lot more information about this. It's a very difficult situation because you're talking about 
a vulnerable people group, the defenseless, someone who has no voice and no personhood in some of these countries. It's some, definitely something to be praying about. And there's so much more packed into the story that we have on the web. All right. Again, uh, read this article about child brides in South uh, Asia. Read uh, actually all of the coverage from around the globe at Mission Network News. You can find them at mnnonline.org. Ruth, as always, thank you so much. Thank you. We'll be right back. All right, just a little uh, advance notice. Um, Ruth Ruth there, when she was talking about what's going on in Palestine and how Christians are, uh, are challenged and facing the challenges of the day, um, Munther Isaac is going to be with us. He is uh, a Palestinian, and he is going to be sharing with us what is going on in his country. Uh, that'll be Monday morning here uh, in the same same segment that Ruth's on. So it's this same time, but on Monday. All right, uh, we got a whole other hour of Mornings with Carmen up next. Adam Carrington's actually coming back because the Supreme Court has issued a ruling in the Espinoza case, and you're going to want to know more about that. That is about school choice and the way that your uh, dollars can be used to support the education of kids who go even to Christian schools. And then we've got William Lane Craig. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be a bit of a heavy lift in terms of of theology. We're going to talk about atonement and the death of Christ. But, you know, the atonement matters. The sacrifice of Christ matters and how we understand it matters. And so that conversation is up in the next hour. Thanks for joining me in this hour of Mornings with Carmen. We'll talk with you again in just a moment. We'll be right back. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.